Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. You got a copy of the Word. I'm going to give you two passages we're going to look at today. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 we're going to consider. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 through 17. And we'll just glean a couple of thoughts high from these verses today. We've been in this series called Catalyst. And a catalyst is a thing that when introduced into an ongoing reaction, causes it to speed up or to increase in intensity. And we begin to understand that in the chemical world, these catalysts do exist. There are things that you can place into reactions that are already going on and they speed them up astronomically. A catalyst is a spur, if you will. And if these things exist in the physical chemical world, we've been asking this question, what of the spiritual world? Are there things in the spiritual world that increase the action of God in your life? How many of y'all know God is always at work in your life? How many of y'all believe that's true? He is always at work. Man, if that's the truth, what I want to do is get out of the way and introduce everything I can into my heart and my life so that, man, He is free to act to His fullest potential. That's what I want in my life. We're looking at these spiritual catalysts in this series. We've seen five so far. I'm going to recount them quickly to you. The first one we looked at was faith. We learned that it's impossible to please God without faith. If you're going to come to Him, you better believe that He is. And that He is a rewarder of those who begin to diligently seek Him. If you want to see God get active in your life, begin to exercise your faith and watch what He does. What does faith mean, Pastor? Well, we defined it this way. I just really believe it. When God gives you a word, something out of the written word, something spoken into your spirit, faith is just grabbing it and saying, you know what? I really believe that's true. And when you begin to live like that, God begins to get really active. You'll find his power and his presence everywhere you go. Service is the second catalyst we looked at. And I can't say that I find his power and presence any more clearly anywhere in my life than when I'm in that place of service to others, in that place of service to him. If you want to find that power of God, find that God calls service in your life and get about doing it. Thirdly, uh, the body. We looked at this truth, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is, but all the more as you see the day approaching, exhort one another. We defined the church, didn't we? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there you are in the midst of them. That's the Lord. And when I get around the people of God anywhere, I find that God gets on me. I want you to know one realm the enemy works at in very diligently in your life is the realm of isolation. If he can keep you by yourself and away from the body of Christ and away from other believers, he's won a great victory in your life. That's why the word encourages us. Don't be separated. Get together as the body of Christ and you'll find that there is his power and his presence every time. Fourthly, we looked at the catalyst of prayer. Uh, Man, I can't imagine a catalyst being more important than prayer in your life. If you really want to get to know God and really get to understand his presence and power, I I believe prayer is the most natural conduit to do that through. We talked about prayer being an audience with the Lord, just talking to our Heavenly Father about aligning with His will and coming into agreement as the body of Christ. And we're undertaking this 21-day fast 
I believe that God is up to something. I believe there's a mighty move of the Holy Spirit awaiting us. I'm looking forward to next week as we begin our Empower Conference. I hope you mark your calendars you hear, And I'm going to challenge you to bring somebody with you to these meetings. Man, I believe that God is going to show up in a mighty way in our midst. Why? Because we've asked Him to. We've prayed under His leadership. And I believe we're in alignment with His will. I believe that God wants to do something in this house and in your life. How many of y'all today, as a testimony, of agreement would say and shout, Amen, Pastor. I believe that God wants to do something. How many of y'all would say that in agreement? Amen. Amen and praise be unto God. He wants to do something, and it's our job to get in agreement in prayer and sing that move back to Him and just watch it happen. Fifthly, we looked at the catalyst of worship. We didn't try to define it. I just challenged you, I hope, to do it. We understand that God is up in heaven looking, seeking, craving worshipers. Many folks were going to the temple, but how many were actually worshiping? And I challenged you last week, have you come into this house to worship? And I'm not going to preach this again, but I'm going to ask you today, is there anybody in the house that just came with the idea today that I'm just going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I'm just here to honor the name of Jesus Christ and give Him glory and honor and praise for who He is. And for what he's done. Worship in your life is a powerful catalyst today. I'm going to try to wrap this up if I can. I'm going to look at the catalyst of what I call the Word of God. The Word of God. Now it is impossible for me, maybe, maybe difficult's a better word, for me to think of a person walking in the power and the presence of God who doesn't know something of the Word of God. That's been availed to him. It's hard for me to believe that somebody's walking in the power and the presence of God. And they don't pay any attention or have any understanding or have any knowledge of the written revealed word of God placed in our midst for our benefit. What a catalyst is the word of God today. Now we're not here to worship a book today. I'm just here simply to commend it to you. The Word of God is certainly a catalyst, beloved, that brings the power of God alive in your life in a way nothing else can. Now, the Word has much to say about itself. And I'm going to look at two passages penned by the Apostle Paul, I believe, today that are to be read in our hearing. And I believe that we can glean a few thoughts out of them that will help us understand this catalyst of the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 reads this way. The Word of God is, what's that word? It means alive, not dead. It's, it's alive. And it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing of the joints and marrow, and dividing the soul and the spirit, and piercing the joints and the marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Let's go ahead and read from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 14, Paul to a young minister, to his protege, if you will, one of his sons in the faith, he says, continue thou in the things which you have learned and you have been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And from a child thou hast known the, what's those two words? Holy Scriptures. Which are able, I love that, that's what I'm going to try to focus on today in this passage. Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in who? 
Christ Jesus. Now, this is a bold, bold statement. All, how much of it? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is, what's that word? Profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man or woman of God may be, what's that word? Perfect. That means complete in every form and facet. That means having everything you need. Proficient in every avenue. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Man, when I think of the Word of God, I think of something very precious in my life. Can you think of anything more precious, more valuable that we have than the Word of God? Can you think of anything that you would give up for the Word of God? I'd give anything up to be able to keep the Word of God in my life. You see, the Word of God is very important. It's a precious book. Secondly, I want you to understand that it's a passionate book. When I think of the Word of God, I don't even think of something just valuable to me. I think of a, a letter, a love letter, if you will, a passionate letter, a letter that tells me not a list of, of do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs, but it's a letter to me that tells me that there is a God in heaven and he's not against me. We've sang about it all morning. He loves me and he cares for me. You won't flip very far into the word of God till you find out that God is trying to tell you that he loves you. He's trying to say to you today, I care for you. I walked into a room where, where there was much trouble and trauma in the last couple of days. I walked in and met a young man. He looked at me and he said, man, I want to sing you a song, preacher, if I can. I said, brother, I'd love to hear it. And he sang that song that we sang together. Now, isn't that the work of the Holy Spirit just a minute ago? A song that I've sang time and time and time again as a young person in the house of God. He reared back with all his might and he sang, Jesus loves me. This I know for what the Bible tells me so. And man, the little things that lodge in your heart, if you would just let the Holy Ghost bring them back to your memory and understand that, yes, this is a book of theology. Yes, this is a book that talks about soteriology. This is a book that talks about eschatology. But beloved, this is a book above all things that tells me that Jesus Christ loves me today. The best truth I can tell you today is that there is a God in heaven who loves you. And this book is not some ordinary book. It is a passionate book that tells you of the love of Jesus Christ. It's precious. It's precious to me, more valuable than any other possession I have. It's a passionate book, yes. I want you to also understand that it's what I call a peerless book. There's not another like it in all the world. There's not another book like the Word of God anywhere, anytime, anyplace. The writings of, of Tolstoy may be majestic and the, the story weavings of Dickens may be enthralling and, and very inspiring. But I'm here to tell you, you can read any book anywhere written by any man or any woman. And it's not in the class of this little book that's laying right up here in front of me and that you hold in your hand today. It's peerless. There's not another book in the world like it. 
I wrote this down. It is the singular literary revelation of God to mankind. There's nothing else like it in the world. Look, and you'll find that there's not. Well, you say, Pastor, what do you find in it? And I tell you what makes it peerless to me. When you open it up, we find comfort, we find hope, we find joy, and we find deliverance. In it, we find freedom and peace. In it, we find encouragement and also challenge and correction and change. In it, we find salvation, and in it, we find certainty. It is truth. It is the truth of yesterday. It is the truth of today. And it is the truth of tomorrow. It testifies of us to the one who loves us and gave himself for us. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. It is a love letter. It is a guardian. It is a guide. It is a glass and it is a gauge. It can tell you where you've been. It'll tell you where you are. And beloved, it'll tell you where you are going. It's God breathed, God ordained, and God maintained. And the list goes on and on and on and on. I'm here to tell you there's nothing else like it in the world today. It's a peerless book peerless book. Mostly today, I want you to understand that it's what I call a powerful book. Man, these passages that we've read today, the Word of God is, is powerful. It's what the writer of Hebrews says. It's powerful. And when you read the words, you can't escape the great power and authority that's inside it. You know, we spend much time trying to defend it and trying to, to stand for it and trying to do these things. One of the great church fathers, Soren Kierkegaard, one time said, the gospel in and of itself is rather like a lion. You don't have to defend it. What you need to do is just loose it and it'll do a fine job of being able to defend itself. How many of y'all have ever heard a lion roar in real life? Man, I was on a safari ride in, in the animal kingdom down at Disney one time. And I know they train those lines up to, to lay up there at certain times. And I know they feed them so they can run busloads of people by there. And you can point up at them and say, wow, there's a lion. And you're in the safety of your little car. And there's barriers and everything. So you're not too fearful. I never really worry too much that, that when I'm riding by those lines, they're going to leap out of that rock outcropping out and, and eat me up. I, I never really think about that. I, I've really never seen them doing anything. I kind of wondered in my mind if all a lion does is sleep. Because every time I've ever been by them on that ride, they're just laying up there lounging out asleep in the middle of the day. We went by there one time, and man, we made the curve, and, and the guy in the front of the bus, if you've ever ridden it, he's telling you all about it like you're on a safari. He said, wow, we're in for a treat. There's one standing up looking at us. Man, I looked up there, and there was a male line, mane just flowing everywhere on the very tippy top of that outcrop, and, and man, right when that bus rolled in front of that boy, he opened up his mouth, and he roared, and I swear, the short hair on my head was blowing to one side when that thing roared at me. My heart began to thump and beat, and I almost asked that guy, doesn't this thing go any faster than this? I mean, y'all hear, hey, I didn't want to get eat up by something out there in Walt Disney World. <laughs> what a powerful thing. A lion is. I wouldn't want to tangle with one. Let me tell you, the Word of God is rather like a lion. It really is. 
It doesn't need us to stand up and defend it. It just needs us to stand up and proclaim it. It doesn't need us to stand up and justify it. It just needs us to stand up in this world that we're in and live according to its precepts. It doesn't need us to wring our hands and worry about whether God's got this or not. All it needs is for us to to grasp it and hide it in our hearts so that we can walk worthy of the call that God has placed on our life. What a powerful document. Is the word of the living God under the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. Man, when I think of this word, you say, Pastor, where does its power come from? Where does the power of God, you're convincing me that it might be a powerful document, where does it come from? I'm going to just draw two or three things out really high. I'm not going to seek to exhaust these passages before you today. I just want to draw out two or three, three things really high that I believe will help you understand Where the power of the Word of God comes from. Number one, the power of the Word, I believe, lies in its source. The power of the Word of God, the power that's in it. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of who? God is quick. The Word of God is quick. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the Word of God that we're talking about today. It's not my word. It's not your word. It's the word of the living God that's powerful. And you see, what makes it powerful is its source. Who speaks a word, beloved, makes all the difference. I'm going to tell you something. You ought to be very careful who you let speak into your life. You ought to be very careful whose words you just accept as real And true into your life. Whose words you allow to take root in you. And begin to live by. You need to be very careful to weigh out the source. Of the words that are coming into your life. I follow my daughter all over the place. She runs a little bit across country. She had a big meet in Charlotte. Man, there were, somebody told me there were 3,800 runners there. I, I asked around a little bit. I don't know if it was true or not. I can tell you this. There was a bunch of kids there all over the place. Not only was there a bunch of kids, every one of them have this traveling tent they go with. Every one of them has two or three of those easy up tents with their, with their names on them. And they have these great big banners. And they have flags hanging off of them. And, and man, I was down there in Charlotte. We were meandering around in the most beautiful little meadow where all these tents were put up, all kinds of trees. Tents are tucked everywhere. You can't take a step out of the road and you're not under one of these teams' cross-country tents. Well, our team happened to set theirs up right by the thoroughfare there where everybody was coming through. So, man, everybody was walking back and forth by our tent. I took with me one of those little camping chairs because I'm not wont to stand up down there all day. I'm so lazy, I figure I need me a place to sit down. If I'm going to be around there, if nothing else, I need a place to sit down and eat. So I'm sitting down in this little chair beside this tent right by the thoroughfare with my rocket cross country shirt on just as proudly as I can sitting there. And man, I'm going to tell you, I must have uh, sat down in the answer man seat. I'll just tell you that. Everybody that came by there stopped and asked me a question. I must have just looked like somebody who knew everything about cross country and everything about this meat that was going on. I had every question in the world asking me. I had, hey, have you seen uh, Watauga County's tent? Do you know where they're located? And I'm looking like, lady, I did well to find this tent, much less where Watauga's tent is. Everybody was asking me, where's Chapel Hill's tent? Do you know where this tent is? Do you know where the food is? Well, I hadn't found it yet, but that is one question I did find out the answer to. I mean, y'all hear what I'm saying? 
Man, do you know this? Do you know that? What time does this race start? What time does that race start? If I go on around this corner, are there more teams around there? I don't know. I didn't walk any further than I had to. I sat down right here whenever I got here. Man, people kept asking and asking and asking, and I thought about this thing. I thought, you know what? I'm just start making stuff up. How many of y'all hear what I'm saying? <laughs> you know where this tent is? Yeah, man. Go right back up there and cut a left. It's back under that oak up there. There's about four there, three blues and a white. I believe the white one right back there. Have, a, have the time of your life. They say, hey, great, and then walk off into the sunset. I'm thinking, man, they'd believe anything that I told them as they were passing by here. They didn't understand I was just a little preacher kid who traveled all the way from Fairview, North Carolina down there to Charlotte just to see one little old girl run a race. And as soon as it was over, we were piling in the car, finding a Chick-fil-A and getting back to Asheville. How many of y'all hear what I'm saying? Man, they'd believe anything I said. Well, listen, who says a thing makes all the difference in the weight of the thing, beloved. And today we're not talking about the word of any preacher or any pastor. We're not even talking about the word of the Apostle Paul himself. What we're dealing with here is the word of the living God of this universe. And that makes all the difference. If you want to know what makes his word powerful, it's just the fact that it is his word. Doesn't the word tell us, man, uh, in the latter days... They'll be seeking after men. What does the word say? With itching ears, just receiving anything that come into their midst. Didn't Paul caution Timothy, listen, don't be lured away by that old flighty doctrine. He said, man, you stay with the things. You stay with the things that you've learned. You stay with the things that you know are true. The things that you've received. Continue in those things. That's what I'm admonishing you to do. Man, the Word of God is powerful because of its source. It is the Word of God. How many of y'all believe today that you have in your possession the Word of the living God? How many of y'all believe that today? Well, if that's true, then it merits our obedience, beloved. If that's true. It's powerful because of its source. Secondly, I want you to see it's powerful because of its sharpness. The Word says this in Hebrews 4.12. It is quick, alive. It is powerful, for sure. And it is, I love that word, sharper. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can pierce even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow. And I love that last phrase. And it is a discerner. It is a discerner. That means it can analyze and it can understand and it can pass judgment on the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Why is it powerful? Because it's sharp, beloved. It's sharp. How many of y'all ever read a passage in the Word and it cuts you? Heaven, yeah. And usually it's when I'm at my haughtiest and my proudest and my most certain that I'm right that the Lord will bring a passage back to my spirit and back to my mind that will cut me a little bit. Say, son, watch where you're at. The word is sharp. I think that's what drives some people away from it, but it's what endears it to me. Because it is a love letter, and God has sent it to me. He cares enough about it to use it to perform his divine surgery on me. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. We were in Sam's the other day. Oh, I forget. It's been a little while now. But we were in Sam's walking through it. 
There's a little lady giving out tickets for free stuff. That's one of my favorite thing about Sam's is you get a lot of free stuff in Sam. Free food, free taste, free all this thing. And this lady was giving out free stuff. If you'll come back here at a certain time, you'll get something for free. She put a little ticket out. So I meandered back there at that certain time. I mean, if it's free, I'm surely going to try it. I meandered back there to see what was going on. Well, this little lady had a set of knives that she was demonstrating. And man alive, she was demonstrating them on one thing and one thing only. And that was this, their sharpness. Have you ever seen anybody try to sell a dull knife to you? I never have seen that. I've never seen anybody say, this is the dullest knife you'll ever have. It won't cut anything. It won't even cut through hot butter. Come on and pay me $55 for one of these knives. I've never heard anybody saying that, and this little girl wasn't either. She was saying, this is the sharpest knife. It never needs sharpening. It'll maintain its factory edge as long as you own it. We'll give you a lifetime guarantee that this knife will never dull, and it'll cut all the time, just like it did the first time you unsheathed it. And it's got a razor-sharp edge, honed, and she was using fancy words that I don't understand, but I believe she meant it was very sharp. How many of y'all hear what I'm saying? Hey, that's what I believe. And she was selling it. She got a tomato out on a cutting board, and, and she diced that thing up just in a jiffy. Man, I was afraid she was going to cut her fingers off. She was moving so fast. I was enthralled by this. She got out a piece of wood, beloved, and began to saw through that piece of wood with a knife. I was impressed. How many of y'all here? Hey, that was a pretty impressive feat. She got out what looked to be a piece of galvanized pipe. Now, I didn't get to hold it, but that's what it looked to be. And she went to sawing on that piece of pipe with that knife and there were metal shavings you could see them black flaking off that thing and I thought she's destroyed that knife right here in front of us but it wasn't the knife it was that galvanized pipe that she was cutting through and man she went on and on and on and at the end of it she said I'll prove to you that it's as sharp as it always was and she got a another little tomato out and and bam 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 and you couldn't tell one bit of difference from the first time now that was impressive to a little country kid beloved I'm here to tell you I've seen the Ginsu advertising on TV, but I never seen anybody do it right before my eyes like that. That was impressive to me. Man, you know what we got for free? I thought we was going to get one of those knives. We did not. Those were much more expensive than $55, so I don't have one of those knives. But what we did get was a paring knife for free. And man, you never seen somebody so happy. I ran around to Tammy. I said, look, I got a free paring knife. And she was unimpressed, to say the least. <laughs> unimpressed, man. Man, we took it home. It became my life's mission to try to dull that thing. How many of y'all here? Hey, I thought, man, I'm going to put this sucker to the test. And I had tin cans out cutting them. I had everything I could get out. I cut a hole in Tammy's cutting board. Don't tell her it was me. How, will y'all agree? I cut a hole in her cutting board trying to see. And man, you know what? They were right. That thing was sharp, man. And it still is. But as sharp as that is, the Word of God is still sharper. Hebrews 4.12 didn't say it's as sharp as any two-edged sword. It said it is sharper than any two-edged sword. A two-edged sword cuts both ways. It cuts going in and it cuts coming out. If a surgeon's operating on me, I want the sharpest scalpel he can have in his hands. Why? Because a sharp tool does a little damage. And it promotes quick healing. You see the beauty of the Word of God and its power lies in its sharpness. Because you see, in one moment, he can cut you to the quick. And the next moment, he can place his good hand on you and say, I love you. Now let's get up and walk on. And you're okay. Where does the power 
Does the word of God lie? Well, it lies in its source. It's from God. I want you to see also that it lies in its sharpness. Thirdly, I want you to see this, that it lies in what I call its sufficiency. What do I mean by that? I mean in its ability to accomplish the task. I mean in its ability to accomplish the task. I love in Timothy, he says, the word of God is able to make thee wise unto salvation. The word of God is able. It can accomplish the task. The word of God is given by inspiration. It's profitable. That means it's able to do it. It's going to make a difference in your life. It's going to pay off for you. That the man of God may be perfect. That the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly finished. That means complete and fully, fully mature. Do you know what's going to be able to do the work of maturity in your life? It's going to be Holy Spirit-led study of the Word of God and exposure to it. Now, we've named a lot of catalysts. We've named faith. We've named service. We've named the body of Christ. We've named prayer. We've named worship. But I'm here to tell you that the Word of God is the thing that you need to grow you. None of those other things will really grow you in the way that the Word of God will. You need to, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, expose yourself to it because it and it alone is able to grow you into that person that God intended you to be. I love cream horns. How many of y'all know that? I mean, I love those things. I could eat them for breakfast, and I do very often. I could eat them for lunch, and I do very often, as often as the Lord will let me. And sometimes I even eat them for supper. I, I was in food line some time ago, and man, I picked me up a pack and laid them in there. I ran into one of my brothers in Christ. He said, I I'll bet you those never make it home, Pastor. I mean, he, said, he said, I bet you won't get out of the parking lot till you eat one. And I hadn't thought about that, but you know, it sounded awful good to me. So when I got in the car, I cracked them open and ate me one before I ever got to the red light and buddy it was good I'd eat them for breakfast I'd eat them for lunch and I'd eat them for dinner but you know how healthy I'd be if I did that not very healthy at all see cream horns they're good on an occasional basis yes I, I advocate them to you you ought to get you a glass of chocolate milk and sit down and eat one for no good reason at all just for the sheer enjoyment of it you ought to eat one but beloved you can't live on those things you see, you need a steady diet, don't you, to grow you. You need a steady diet to keep you healthy and maintain you. You need a balanced diet to make things right in your life. And man, I try to do that. Do green beans taste as good as a cream horn? No. But I know I need them. How many of y'all Hey, I try to imagine sometimes I'm eating a cream horn while I'm chewing those green beans. I really do. They're good for you. And you see, let me tell you, this is the thing that will grow you in your life today. The thing that has the ability even to save you. Let me tell you, worship won't make you wise unto salvation. None of that will. It's all by the word of the living God. Even to come to know him depends upon this truth that I hold in my hand. Didn't the word say he chose to save men? How? By the foolishness of the proclamation of his word. The word of God is powerful. What's the source of its power? What's the seed of it? Well, man, it lies in its source. It's God's Word. It lies in its sharpness. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it and it alone can do the divine surgery that the Holy Spirit needs to do in your life on a daily basis. Because of its sufficiency, beloved, it and it alone is inspired and able to accomplish the task that God sent it out to accomplish. And what is that? That we might come to know Him and that we might grow into maturity with Him. That's the task that it's sent to accomplish in our life. 
life. Lastly, in way of application, I want to give you one more word. The word of God's power lies in its saturation. The word of God's power lies in your life in its saturation. Beloved, we can't afford to be ignorant of the word of God. The best thing that we can do is expose ourselves to it time and time and time again. I heard a story of a young preacher who, who got to his, his, his first church. And they asked him to fill in uh, during the Sunday school hour in one of the boys' classes. Well, he gladly did this. He went back and, and he thought he would challenge him and test him a little bit on the biblical knowledge. So he asked him, he said, who is it now that God used to knock down the walls of Jericho? Who is that? Who is that person? And he stood there in, in silence. Not a one of them knew it. Man, he kept asking and asking and he kept trying to give him every hint in the book. And, and man, not a one of them could come up with it. It bewildered him to a great extent. Man, he went to the deacon's meeting and he began to share this with the boys. And he said, gosh, guys, I'm telling you, I got a real worry about what's going on in our church, our young people. I asked them a question in the boys' class out there Sunday. I asked them who knocked down the walls of Jericho. And you know, not a one of them said they knew who did it. Not a one of them said they knew who did it. And man, he sat there in that deacon body in stunned silence till one of them finally spoke up and said, Pastor, I've known these boys since they were little bitty. They're good boys. They're wonderful boys. And if they say they don't know who knocked those walls down, I believe they don't. And the best thing we could do is take some money out of the building and grounds fund, put the walls back up, and let her go. That's what he said to them. Comical. But folks, we cannot afford in our lives to be ignorant of the Word of God. We need to saturate ourselves with it. You say, Pastor, how do you do that? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you four points, if you will, of application. Number one, read it. Boy, that's rocket science, isn't it? You're going to leave here today saying, we got the smartest pastor that ever lived on this planet. What a revelation he gave me this morning. Read it. Just go read it. I'm not talking about trying to study it, and I'm not talking about trying to break it down. Just go read it. Go expose yourself to it. Just go read through the Word of the living God. George Mueller was quoted as saying this about reading the Bible. He said, read the Bible and read it again. And do not despair of help to understand something of the will and mind of God. For though you think they are fast locked up from you. He's saying don't worry about whether you completely understand it or not. Just read it. Don't even trouble yourself, he said. Though you may not have commentaries and expositions. Pray and read and then read and pray. And listen to this statement. For a little from God in his word is better than a great deal from man. Go read it. Go read it. Don't endeavor to say, I don't understand that. I, I don't listen. Just read it and pray. And then pray and read it. That's sage advice. You ought to expose yourself to it. Secondly, in way of application, memorize it. Oh my country, preacher. Memorize it. Yeah. Man, as you're reading, the Holy Spirit's going to make one of those verses leap off that page at you. As you're just reading, he's going to do that. And you're going to read it over and over and over. And before long, you're going to own it. You're going to own that verse. Doesn't the Word tell us if we learn to hide the Word where? In our heart, we won't even sin against God. Memorize it. Just read it. And man, the Holy Spirit's going to, going to let one verse come off the page. You're going to memorize it. I never will forget, I was in a personal evangelism class in seminary. 
Man, the, the professor got up and the first thing he did was hand out a, 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 a list of Bible verses. I believe there were 40 on the page. And he said, by next week, I want you boys to have memorized every verse on this handout. We're going to have a test on it. Will you talk about rattling a bunch of Baptist preachers, beloved? I mean, they went nuts. What do you mean, memorize all? You, you, you're going to give us a test? Well, what's the test going to look like? Because we surely want to make a good grade. Is it, are you just going to give us a reference and we're going to have to write it down? Or, or is it going to be mix and match? Or, or what do you, I don't understand. Memorize the word? And he just shook his head. I never will forget it. He looked at us and said, yes, boys, it's come down to the Word of God in here. It really has. Right here in seminary, I know there's a lot of other things out there there, but here it is. We've boiled her right down to the Word of God in our midst today. And I've never forgotten that. Memorize it. Memorize it. You know, we memorize what men have to say about it, don't we? Man, that lodges in our spirits. When men say something good about it, we'll remember it for 40 years. But I'm going to tell you, you'd be better off to remember one little scrap of the Word of God than anything that any man had to say about it. Read it under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Memorize it. And these two are separate, but for time's sake, I'm going to lump them right together. Try, trust it and then try it. Trust it and then try it. I have people all the time say, Pastor, I, you know what? I, I just don't know. I don't know why God doesn't. I don't know if God said this, but I don't know why. I said, well, have you ever really just trusted it? Have you ever really tried it? Have you ever really just taken something that he said to you and said, all right, that's all right. I'm just going to hold on to that and I'm going to trust it and try it. Malachi, even in the area of our finances, which is in the area we usually have, the worst time trusting the Lord or anybody else for that matter. Doesn't it say in that primary place in Malachi chapter 3, look, trust me in these things. Try me in these things. Just try it. That's all I'm asking you to do. And see if I won't pour out on you in your life a blessing that you cannot receive. Just try it. Begin to trust in the Word of God. Rely on it as your source. And then begin to, to put it into practice. Just let it work in and let it work through you. Beloved, I can tell you that every time I've ever trusted the Word of God and every time I've ever tried it, He's proven Himself faithful to His Word in my life. catalyst. God's at work in your life, beloved, all the time. Whether you see it, feel it, know it, acknowledge it, doesn't matter. He's at work in your life. Man, if he's at work in my life, I want him to do his work as quickly and expediently and as powerfully as he possibly can. So what do we exercise? Faith. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are. What do we exercise faith? Would you just under the leadership of the Holy Spirit right now, Stephen's going to cover us with a little praise, would you just say, Father, help me to be a person of faith. You know, it's not wrong to ask him to help you to believe, is it? Didn't the centurion say, hey, Father, Jesus, I believe you, but would you just help my, what did he say? Unbelief. It's not wrong to say, Lord, help me just be a person of faith. When I'm tested out there, help me to, to fall down on the side of trusting you at every time. When you do, you're going to find God's power at work in your life. Man, what, a, what, a, what about uh, service? 
Lord, show me where to serve. Help me be a person of service. And I thank you guys that on our ministry day, you took up new places of service. And I've seen you in places that God's called you. Just say, Lord, keep speaking to my heart and tell me what it is that you want me to be about in my everyday life. I want to be about serving you. The body, you're here today. Use this body as a catalyst in your life. Man, there's great power when the people of God get together. When we get together, there is the presence of God. He promised that. And man, where His presence is, there's His power. There's His peace. There's His anointing. So man, don't forsake the body. How about prayer? Man, this 21-day fast, don't, to, don't, don't forget, man, to keep pressing through until next Sunday morning. Pray for a mighty, mighty move of the Holy Spirit of God. What about worship? Man alive, we ought to come in here with everything on the world off our minds and everything we're concerned about set by the wayside and one thing and one thing only on our mind and that's honoring and praising the name of Jesus Christ, the name above every name who's worthy of all power and honor and praise. The Word of God, would you pray, Father, help me just to be faithful to read your Word and Holy Spirit, would you illuminate it to me? Write it on my heart. I'm glad for the new covenant, aren't you? I'm glad that God hadn't written his laws just on tablets of stone, but he destroyed that and put it away in his own work. And he wrote his law on our very hearts. Man, the word of the living God will be a power source in your life. An unknown writer said this. The Bible is the mind of God. It is the state of man. It is the way of salvation, it is the doom of sinners, and it is the true happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy and its precepts are binding. Its histories are true and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass. And the soldier's sword. And the Christian's character. Here paradise is restored. Heaven is open. And the gates of hell are defeated. Christ is its grand subject. Its good is, our good is its design. And the glory of God is its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It's a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, a river of pleasure. Follow its precepts, and it will lead you to Calvary, to the empty tomb, and to a resurrected life in Jesus Christ. It will lead you to the power of God, which will be released fully in you, and yes, ultimately, to the land of glory itself. For all eternity. Catalyst. I wonder today. Do you really want the Lord at work in your life to that extent? I challenge you to let these things happen. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.